I thank God so much and I believe I'm happy to be here. And uh, I bet there's one person who is more happy than me is Pastor Jeff. <laughs> because I don't know if you noticed when the service started, he was just at the door. <laughs> Hopefully, looking and seeing, is he coming? <laughs> when he saw me, he was just, oh, you are here. And uh, I just saw in his face he was happy to see me, uh, and I'm happy to be here. It has been a very wonderful morning that God has given us. It has been good. Uh, we've had a very good time ever since uh, we left here on Sunday. I believe everyone has a has had God moment time in their life. They've had miracles in their lives. They've had every good thing to thank God about. And uh, I just wanted to ask a question. And I want this to be, I want to ask it again, like how Pastor wants us just to confirm. I just want to ask one time, Anyone here who has seen God's touch in their life? Thank you. And anyone here who has never seen God's miracle? You are a true uh, a Christian. You just got sa saved the other day. You are starting the Christian life. If you've never seen God's miracle, if you've never seen an honest God's miracle. Thank you. Because if anyone could have said no, I could have just told them, you are seeing one. Okay? I'm God's miracle, and whenever you see me, you just know that you've seen a miracle. Uh, I just wanted to talk about my family or my life history before I start uh, talking about me. I was born in a poor family in a Kenyan village in the poorest part of Kenya. Uh, we grew up believing in God only. We had faith and uh, we were taught faith or we were taught how to believe when we were still toddlers. Uh, like here sometimes I don't know if there's anyone who was gone for two or three days without eating. Because if you know that you won't find food here in this country, I've realized that you can go to the council. Back where I come from, there's no council, there's no government to help you, there's no one. It is you and you are God. So for those who have, if you want to see someone who has something, you just look at those who believe. If you see me eat, then you'll know he's a faithful, he's a believer. God has answered their prayer. It is in the morning that you wake up after sleeping hungry yesterday without food and you have no idea of what you'll eat tomorrow. 
And I'm not talking about an adult because you understand. I'm talking about a kid. We were lucky when you're still a baby because you knew we knew they'll be fed. There's breastfeed for them. But now when you start eating, everything changes. Uh, we are, I can say, eight in our family. I'm the second born. So we had like a stairs. Okay? And in that stairs we have twins. My brothers are twins. Uh, there was a time, I think it was 2000, that life was so hard for us. That uh, wherever we cooked our meal, we had our last born. By then, our tiny little baby. She was the one who could pick food. When mom cooks it, she's the one. I can use an example of our baby here. She was the one. Yeah, if, if, I don't know if you can just raise her up so that people can see <laughs> what I'm talking about. Yeah, That size. My sister was that size. Eh? So what happens is that wherever we found something to eat, we could cook it. And then she was the one who could pinch it and issue it to people. So you could sit around a very small, we eat ugali, it's like a maize flour. We've been cooking it here sometimes when we have family time. So something that she, whatever she'll pinch for you, that's yours. So she'll be told, okay, pinch it for Isaac, pinch it for this one. So it depends with how you treat her. Yeah, so, and in those times when we were passing through that time, I, I told her we believe in God. And God answered and spoke to us as a family. My mom went somewhere to pray, and then she came home with uh, someone that she just met someone randomly, and then someone came and told her, uh, I've been sent to God to come and uh, pray for your son. This person didn't know anything about us. He was new to the town. She just, he was just sent there by God. So she, uh, this person told my mom that I've been sent to you. So he stayed in our town for two nights looking for my mom because I think God gave him a picture of what he's looking. So when he came home, so the first thing that we're thinking about is we've been taught to be kind to visitors. Whatever you have, you have to offer it first to the visitors. So when we had some, a visitor, that's when at least, and then you have food, so you'll see kids uh, outside the door looking at the visitor eat. And then they'd be like, wherever God help him not to finish. Because that's the whole food for us, so we've offered it. So when he came, he came and prayed for us, and then he's saying, oh, uh, this son of yours, I've been told that he'll be a, son, uh, a preacher and he'll be preaching overseas. And looking at our situations, even he can't find fair to go to the next town. Someone comes and says that this person will be preaching overseas. And we are looking at this person and like, like what Sarah did when she was told that she'll have a baby when she was barren and she was old. We looked at this person, and the first thing that we just went through this year, because we didn't believe. Looking at our situation, we used to see other people who had families overseas, and we used to see how rich they were. 
And then comparing ourselves and them, it was, nah, that's not possible. Until God made it and I'm here. So I wanted to say, if you've never seen a miracle, you've seen one. Yeah. So I'm here and I'm faithful and I'm so grateful to God because the start of the year we were told uh, we were taught by pastor about something a kairos moment we were when you were born you were born for a reason and that is our kairos you are here today not every other person because this message is meant to be yours and god made sure that you come here for you to listen to it and to be here and feel it. Because today, like any other day, I'm going to preach about something that we've been taught ever since for those who have been uh, Christians for long. It's the same, same message. But today is just a message of telling us it is a time that we change. It is a time that we believe and we start our life afresh. If you're in that po uh, position in life that you are seeing other people being blessed, you see other people having testimonies, and you're in that corner that even you, your tiniest little faith, you just doubt it. Today's the day that we want to say that tiny seed will which is being sown today or you have heard it before, it's time for it to start germinating. Just like any other seed in the world, if you plant it, you bury it in the sand. It has to die, it has to rot before something fresh comes up. Today is the day that our faith, we need to start our faith. Because we are in that part of the world that our faith is being crushed and they are birds of the airs which are coming and wants to eat whatever little faith that we have been given. Today we are going to talk about obedience. Obedience and faith in the Bible, they are at par. You can't talk about obedience without talking the same thing about faith. Our faith and our obedience to God is one thing. So we'll be talking about uh, obedience today. Last Sunday, pastor spoke about faith and, her, and was encouraging us and teaching us about Abraham in which he had faith in God after being told you need to move. Today we are talking about obedience and today uh, we'll be looking at the life of a man called Noah. Praise God. Yeah, we'll be talking about Noah, and uh, we want to see how obedient he was, and we'll be looking at different. Uh, we'll be looking at different stories in the Bible that uh, we'll be able to see. Praise God! So, if we go to the book of Genesis. Chapter 6, Genesis chapter 6, 
verse 9. So here we're being told Genesis chapter 6, Genesis 6, 9 to 11. So there we were told that these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. In his generation, Noah was just and he walked with God. The next one he said, And Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth was also corrupt before God. So Noah was just like a contemporary life that we're having today. We are there, we are having our kids, we are bringing them up. And he had three sons. And at that time, the earth was corrupt. The earth was also, uh, was, also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence, like now. So, as we're continuing, uh, with that chapter up to there, is just the same, same time. We're living in the same, same uh, era, like the time of Noah. The world is corrupt, there's violence, there's killing everywhere. People are trying to do harm than good. Everyone is saying, oh, I'm trying to look for my family. I'm trying to fend for my family. But at the time you're fending for your family, you are hurting another family. We're not supposed to do that. We're just supposed to be going and doing just. So that one time when God was there, looking down, he can see us. Like, this is a testimony. God saying that, Noah was just. In a corrupt country, in a corrupt environment, God is there saying that no, but Noah is a just man. What was he doing in that corrupt environment? In that when everyone or when every family in their country or wherever they were living, everyone was doing anything to go against God. How did he just remain faithful? So as Noah is doing all these things, uh, we are told other things that were happening. God came and visited Noah. And uh, God told him, I want to destroy everything. I want to destroy and clean everything so that I can start a fresh generation. But now God came and had a conversation with Noah and he was telling Noah that I want you to do something for me. I want to save you from this. I'm coming to destroy everything with flood. But I want to save you and your family. I want you to build a boat or an ark. And God gave Noah the measurements. Uh, if we look at the story of Noah, he was living in an area that it was... We can say in an arid area, the Middle Eastern area in which we currently know, those places, they rarely get rain. 
And in that place where they don't get rain, that's when God comes to a man and tells him there's going to be a flood here. When we were that poor, someone comes and tells us that there's something coming to change. You look at it, and the first thing that comes into your mind is a doubt. And Noah was an old man by then. He knew how they were living. Ever since he was young, there's not times maybe it has rained for a continuous, continuously for two or three days. And then a voice comes and tells him that I'm going to flood this area. And gives him instructions of what to do. I want you to build yourself a boat, an ark. Let's just picture ourselves like we are, our, we are now in that era and we are friends and family to Noah. No one, is, no one in our family is a fisherman. Yeah? No one in our family has ever gone to the seaside to see how even what a boat is. And then your father is coming and telling you, son, I got a vision. God spoke to me and we need to build a boat. He goes to the neighbor and then tells neighbor, there's a flood coming. And I want help in building a boat. And in this boat is not just ours. I'm coming, someone is coming and telling you that in this boat of ours that we want to build, I've been told that we have to put in animals with us. Anyone here who has ever seen a live lion, an elephant? Anyone? Just a few. Not on TV. All right? Even those ones are live, but you're there seeing. And then you are in the desert. There are no such animals. And then this person who is telling you tells you that all those animals he'll build it. So one, you have to figure uh, a room that is big enough or tall enough for a giraffe. Wide enough for an elephant. It's, there's a cage for a snake. Alright? So how do you differentiate or how do you create rooms in which these animals won't be eating each other. Because if you create, all right, goats will be here, and then the next uh, corner will be a lion or a tiger. All right? <laughs> so you have, so this is that era, thousands of years ago, this man has a vision from God that this is what I want to do. Uh, the Bible only tells us that he was given measurement. I want it to be this long, this wide, and this high. And if you read it, it says you will apply tar in the inside and in the outside so that water cannot come in. But every other dimensions inside, we are not told there how he was given dimensions of how to do it. And the first question that doubters ask is uh, how will all these animals, how will Noah bring these animals into the ark? Praise God. Animals have one thing. They have instincts. That's why we have birds from Europe. When it starts getting colder, they fly all the way to the 
warmest, coast, uh, warmest regions like North Africa and those sites. And this bird, the lifespan, they only go there to hatch the kids. They don't fly back. How are the kids, how are kids born knowing where their mom was living before and then they fly there? So there are instincts. Animals have instincts. If you see anything, if you see animals running, just know there's something. Alright? And they can sense something. So, when Noah built this ark for years, wherever these animals were, they knew there is a flood coming. And something is happening. But now what did people around Noah do? They're just there continuing to do things. So, Noah, after being told that, there we see even in our monitor saying that Noah did according to all that God commanded him to do. Everything that God told him. Even though I know you're living in a desert area, even though I, don't, I know no one in your family lineage ever knew how to build a boat, but Noah just went on, obeyed what God did, and started working. Noah did not work alone. He had the kids and their wives. And the wife, they were there supporting him. Years, it took years for Noah to finish his boat or his ark. It took years because the ark, there is a replica of it somewhere. If you just search for it online, you'll see the replica of the same, same measurements that Noah's ark is. It's a very massive boat. So how did he manage it with only the wife, the three kids, and their wives? There are times in life that when we do something, we start with a family. We need to have one goal as a family. Here we are family church. We need to have one goal. We need to set up our goal in that. In, uh, in the ark, no, in this uh, instruction, when God was telling him to do something, and then God told him, in the upper side of the ark, you need to put a window. Okay? This window could only bring in light. Wherever it was raining, the window, every other place was closed, but they had a window. The light was shining in the ark. Praise God. Jesus is our light. He's up there. When you are in total darkness, there's a window. For 40 days, for 40 nights, and 40 more days before the water came down, there's light coming through the window. Praise God. In our life, we need to know there is a light. Jesus' light is coming down. The children, uh, the Israelites, when they were coming from Egypt, they came to a, a place that they started mourning. They, starting, they started going against what God taught them or what Moses was telling them to do. Whilst in the wilderness, they were beaten by snakes. 
poisonous snakes. God told Mo, uh, Moses, go make yourself a bronze snake and put it somewhere high that whoever looks at the snake, the bronze snake, will be saved. He will not die from the bites. You know, if you look at it literally, these are people who are sometimes group psychology is bad. Mob psychology is bad. Because people just do things. Uh, you are somewhere just walking in the park. And then you start seeing people running. Yeah? And then you're just there walking. And then you see a, very, a group of people running. What do you do? Do you still walk? You start running. And then you meet someone. Oh, why are we running? No, people are running. Why? Because it is a mob psychology. So when... Moses at that time in the wilderness, there were people who were going against him, going against God. They wanted to build themselves a God they could see, a golden calf. They were just doing everything against what God wanted them to do. So when you find people like those ones, they're the ones who want us to talk, all right, uh, can you come? I want to talk to three of you. And then I go there and then I give you negative vibes against someone. So what did God know? He knew that if you don't look at the snake, you die. Will I call you? Let's go behind the tent. In that behind the tent, your view is blocked from the snake. Will there be a riot? God knew. Let these people concentrate on the snake. And the violence and the riots will come down. Okay? In our lives, when there's violence, there's uh, everything against God. There is... Someone on the cross. There's Jesus on the cross. We look at him. We take our burdens to Jesus. And everything comes down. Wherever you are, just look at the cross. We have our salvation on Jesus. We have to obey the teachings we are taught. We need to start afresh. We've been obeying. You've been going against the teachings, looking for your own paths, let's try and maintain a straight path. Let's walk in path of righteousness. Let's walk in godliness. Even though the surroundings, where you live, your surrounding is not allowing you to do it, but just know there is Someone on the cross, I have to keep my eye on him. Never lose your sight from Jesus. There are so many things that maybe Noah could have faced. Setbacks. When he was building these things, all those things I was, telling, I was talking to you about. When he was trying to build it, the neighbors were still going against each other. There was still violence. For years that Noah was, uh, was building the ark, People were telling him, oh, I thought you were talking about the, a flood. I thought it was tomorrow. A year comes. We finish our Christmas. You're still there? You're still hoping that God is coming to see you? You're still hoping that there's something good you'll get from Christianity? Oh, you don't have food, but you're still going to church? You don't have this, but you still believe? Years goes by, and then... 
if you lose directions and your focus, your ark will not be finished. And by the time that the flood is coming, it will sweep you. Praise God. So people could maybe be asking, where will this water come from? Where will we get water that will, will drown? Like here, I'll just talk about, oh, there's a mountain. There's a, uh, I'll drive, just drive for two hours to Wales, and then there's those Welsh highlands. I'll just go there. By the time water just comes from south, there's no time that water will get that high. You see? Doubts, people will create doubts in you. There's no time that that's when it will happen. Oh, we have, even if so, we can fly to Mount Everest, the tallest mountain. <laughs> even by the time the water comes there, I'll just carry myself some warm blankets, and then by the time water comes there, it will be frozen, and then I'll be skying. So, people will talk any other thing to... Okay? Yeah, someone will just tell you, oh, you wanted this. Oh, you believe in God, he can do that, but I know another shortcut. Okay? I know a shortcut to get this. I know how you could get there quicker. But don't follow that. And, you know, sometimes when we are facing trouble, there was a time I was teaching here, when as Christians, we know we have to believe and we believe in God. But now the people who fight us most are the ones who are inside our circles. Someone will come and tell you, oh, you're saying that it will it'll flood. But we've been told that God is gracious and merciful. I think by the time maybe it starts raining and then he sees babes dying, I think he'll, he'll come down. Yeah, we're You are the one even who preaches to us and tells us good times are coming. So, yeah. how will a merciful God, how will a faithful God just want to wipe everyone out. God can't do that. And then, you know, they'll tell you a story that, you know, even a few years ago when God was creating, because that's when some years after creation, so I think the story of creation was still real. They'll tell you, oh, you know, even when God was creating the world, when he parted the water, and then he saw, what did God see? It was good. Yeah? God was happy. When he said, let there be trees, and then in the evening he came, when the evening uh, came, what did God say? That was good. He was happy with his creation. And then how will he come now and destroy whatever he created? Doubts. Okay? We have to be obedient. When you start running, the New Testament says, keep on your tracks. And like athletes, keep on your track and you start running. We are here. We've been given a button. Start running. Don't see, I was running, I'm in a marathon in which I know I'll take hours, not like the Kenyan guy who runs below two hours. <laughs> you have a whole day, yeah? You have a whole day, and then as you're still running 1,500 meters on the other side, you see the Usain Bolt I don't know who does. They've finished their race because they're only running 100 meters. They're sprinting. Oh, they've finished. They've been given gold and you're still on the race. Don't, don't lose focus. Everyone is running a different race. Don't see that this person has achieved whatever they were praying for. 
Ah, the other person, oh, they got it. Oh, we started in January, and by March, at least four, five people, when we started praying, we were in a group of 40. These people, they've already been answered. And man, I just asked God for a, just this one. But I'm still there hoping. And then someone will come and tell you, oh, oh, by the way, God did it for me. The other person, oh, God did it for me. And I'm like, should I come? Oh, by the way, how are you praying? No, don't cross the lane. Stick to your lane. Remain obedient and run. Our world today, they make us feel like we are the ones on the wrong. You are the one on the wrong side of life. You go to church. How many hours do you go to church? Oh, two, three, three hours. By that time, I'm already asleep, you know. <laughs> I didn't wake up. When you woke up at seven to start preparing yourself to go to sleep, that's when I was feeling very cozy and warm in my blanket. <laughs> Why do you have to go to church? The world around us will try and make us feel that. Why are you giving your time? I'm paid, let's say for example, I'm paid 100 pounds. Why are you giving 10 pounds? That 10 pounds is enough for a shirt and a trouser. <laughs> but they keep on forgetting that God gave you 90. Just imagine, God gave you 90 to use whatever you want to do. Why are you doubting or why do you want to steal from God the only 10? Okay? Let's not steal from God because God sees us all. And sometimes in our life, we, came, we come to a, uh, my time is up. We come to a place that we start misinterpreting God's uh, prophecies. We start in misinterpreting things in our life. Because we interpret it in a worldly understanding. I'll tell you about this thing that happened to my life and I lost focus. I stopped believing in God for some few uh, for some time, but now when I sat down and then God spoke to me and then he showed me the correct way. Uh, my dad passed away in 2010. And before dad passed away, we have our intercession group. People in our church back in Kenya, we have intercession group. They pray for us. They are there. We've been taught we are part of the intercession group because we are, we have to believe in God and we have to pray and we've it's not just like we have to. It is something that I'm willingly doing. So before my dad died, he was ill, he was sick, and then when he went there, and then God came down, and then he spoke and said, we've heard your prayers, I've heard your prayers, and I've seen how your dad is suffering. Your daddy will not suffer no more. He'll be happy. He'll be Okay. So stop worrying. Before even it was on our Friday, we used to go on a Wednesday prayers. My dad died on a Friday. From that, God telling us, it's okay, it's going to be fine. Your, God, your dad is going to be happy. And he died on a Friday. Even it didn't take God a week, <laughs> some few days there. My faith was shattered. How could God do this to me? After me believing that he could heal my dad, it was hard. But when I sat down months after he died, and then I think God just came down and told me, yeah, your dad is happy. 
Okay? Because we believe that as Christians, Jesus went to prepare somewhere nice for us. We just don't go there with a physical body. We have to go there in a spiritual body. Our physical body has to remain here. It has to be buried. It has to be in, uh, I don't know how you call it here. Burning a body, how do you call it here? Cremation. cremation. Yeah, cremation. So that body will remain here. So when you are thinking like a human being that being told your dad will be okay, he'll be fine, everything will be over, and you're happy knowing that at least the medicine is taking by Monday, he'll be okay, he'll be fine, he'll be walking around. We have to look at things in a spiritual. So when we're given, or when a testimony is being given, sometimes we need to look at it in a spiritual way. We were hoping to get these. Maybe you're hoping to get, you've admired for that job. That's, your mind is set for that. And then, You've been praying for years, and then before all your applications were being rejected, and then this year when you are praying and had faith in God, your application, you're told, okay, you are the first person in our list, you have all the qualifications we need, and then after the interview, when you're there, and then someone, you, you know, as you're going to an interview, maybe sometimes you're just on a queue, and then someone, oh, where have you been working before? Oh, I've never worked in, that sec in this sector. And then you are like, oh, for these, at least four people that I've spoken to, no one even has an experience. I'm the most experienced person here. And then as you're going there, weeks of waiting, you receive, oh, sorry, unfortunately, you're not the successful one. Your faith is shattered. But if you just keep on believing, you could have gone through that, with that, maybe your life could not have been how God wanted it to be. Amen? God we don't look at it in our physical eyes, in our humanly eyes. Let's let God show us. Like how the prophet prayed to God, God open his eyes. And then the, what the servant see? The forces that are supporting us, they are millions times better and stronger than whatever our physical eyes can see. When that time comes, when you'll be feeling so down and feeling like God left me, that time comes that you just feel relieved because you've seen it work for you. And it, even it is not just you who will see. Other people will see what God has done for you. Let's keep hope and faith and pray for that. How do we make sure that we do that? Noah did it as a family. Don't come to church alone. That on Sunday is when my son is going to play football. Of all the six days of the week, the only few times that you want to come and have a, con uh, a meeting with our Christians, encourage our faith, that's when the devil creates, no, this is the only, we can only train from 9.30 till 11.30. And that time, what do you do? You swap, 
oh, this week I'll go to church. Let my wife take my son there. Next week I'll swap. What are you doing? You're keeping your son or your kids away from God. But what happens when the flood comes? It will swap and take away your son while you're there. You go to heaven and none of your family is there. We don't want that for us. Let's build from our kids. When your kid is there, teach them the way of God. Deuteronomy, I don't know if I can be given that. Deuteronomy 6, 7. Deuteronomy 6, 7. Chapter 6, verse 7. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Praise God. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when you rise up. And you shall teach your kids diligently of who God, who God is, of what God can do, of what they need to expect from God, and how they should live their life in a godly way. Everywhere, when you are sitting in your house, teach your kids how to do it. When you are walking on the streets, teach your kids how to do it. Because what happens, as they are stepping out of your house, the world is teaching them the opposite of how not to be Christians, of how not to trust in God, of how not to pray, of how not to respect. Create a foundation for your kids. Create the next generation of strong Christians for your kids. Let your kids know that they can believe in God. Then they can pray and someone will answer their prayer. That they can be in a very tight position and someone will come for them. Teach them that one time they'll be put in a furnace of fire and there'll be a fourth man in there. That one time they'll be taken to prison and the next step will be a prime minister. The next time when they are there, they're believing in God, they'll be put in a lion's den and they'll dine there with the lions. Praise God. Let us teach this to our kids that a time when they see the fire being multiplied seven times hotter, they should not bow down into a false god. That they should not say, oh, I'll worship the king's image. That I'll be ready. Even if I die, I'll see my savior on the other side. When Stephanie, uh, Stephen was uh, stoned to death, while he was there being stoned to death, in Acts says, he saw Jesus raised in the throne. Everywhere in the Bible we are told that Jesus is sitting on the right hand side of God. But when Stephen was being persecuted, he saw Jesus standing. 
When your team is winning, do you just sit down? You stand and cheer. Jesus was there, other than sitting, he was standing and ready to welcome this man. Let's teach our kids that when that time comes, there's a hope. When someone tells you there's no direction, there's no light at the end of the tunnel, what do you know is that by the day you are my cloud and by night you are my light. You are the fire and night. Even when they think that you are in a tunnel where there is darkness, but you know inside you there is light. Jesus is showing you everything. Let's introduce our kids to Jesus. Let's support them. If we had slept and let them do other things, when I started I said, today is a day that we are restarting our faith. Let's start today. It's not late for you to do that. It's not late. Don't regret the years that have passed that you've let them. Start praying for them. When you're sitting in your house, talk to them about God. When you're out, teach them about God. Let them, before they eat, let them just say, thank you, God, for the food. How many people have food everywhere in their fridges, but they can't eat because they've been told by the doctor, if you eat that, you're going down to the grave. And they have the ability to eat whatever they want. So just teach them to say, thank you, God, because of just giving them that ability to eat. Just waking up in the morning. How many people go to bed and they never open their eyes? Teach them it is good that when you see another, sun, another sunrise, there is someone somewhere waiting to pick you up. Praise God. There are a million miracles in our life. I don't know if we have that just a minute for our team to sing us that, fall, that song. I don't know if it is just million miracles. I don't know if it's okay or it's, it's something that maybe we can sing another time. Okay? Okay? When you count your miracles, there can be millions. You're just thinking like even speaking. That's a miracle. Even just wiggling your fingers. That's a miracle. We have millions and millions and millions of miracles that we can count. We need to count them day by day. And we'll be okay. If you're here for the first time or here forever and you want to tell God, I want to start afresh. I want to start with you. If you are new to Christianity, if you want to join the way of salvation, this is the time. If you want to change your way and obey God's teaching, this is the time. I want us to close your eyes. Just tell God, thank you. You know your own miracles. You know your own Things that God has done for you. You know everything that God has done for you. Just as you're sitting down, just tell God, thank you, God, for it. Oh, Father, we thank you for this moment that you've given us. 
you've done so much for us that we can't tell it all. You've done so much for us that even other people admire to have just a little of what we have. We thank you for that. We thank you for our kids. We thank you for our parents. We thank you for our family. Oh God, bless them. Teach them how to trust in you. Teach them how to have their foundation in Jesus. Let Jesus, let you be their cornerstone. Let everything that they do always start from you. We thank you, God, for the week to come. Bless us. Thank you for the one family that is coming. Bless us. The prayers, every meeting that you are doing. We thank you for every testimony that you've had for us. Every testimony that is coming. We thank you for them. We honor you, Son of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much. God bless you.